Chapter 20 of Titus, A Comrade of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Middleton. Titus, A Comrade of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 20. The band of robbers, with Titus always closely guarded, pushed on rapidly as possible toward Jerusalem, traveling chiefly at night by the light of the moon, which was now at its full. Daytimes they skulked in thickets or ravines, lying in wait for their prey. Several unlucky travelers thus fell into their clutches during the journey. These were promptly stripped of their possessions. Their subsequent fate depended upon their behavior during the stripping process. If they submitted quietly, they were allowed to go, albeit half-naked. But woe to the man who dared to resist or make an outcry. A dozen ready knives quickly quieted him. The wicked old saying, Dead men tell no tales, being a favorite maxim with Dumachus. At dawn on the fourth day they reached the hills lying to the west of Jerusalem and encamped in one of the narrow valleys for a few hours of rest and refreshment. I shall go to the city alone, said Dumachus, after he had eaten. The rest of you will await me here. Let there be no disturbance among you, lest we be foiled in our purpose ere it be undertaken. Then he drew Gaius aside, and talked with him in a low tone for a few moments. Titus felt sure that the conversation referred to him, but he made no sign. He hoped, in the excitement which would shortly follow, to be able to make his escape his brain already teeming with vague, impossible plans for seeking out his parents, if indeed they were to be found in Jerusalem, and for making himself known to them. How he was to do this he did not know, but he was full of unreasoning hope. After some hours Dumachus returned. All is well, he announced shortly, but with an air of triumph. Then after draining a cup of wine he threw himself down in the shade and slept heavily. The men conversed in low tones, snatches of their conversation at times reaching the ears of Titus. There will be already five hundred men in the plot, tis sure to succeed. Will the attempt be made to-night? Before the moon rises, when tis dark, we shall force the temple gates with ease. Tis the plan of Brabus to tear down the golden eagle from the inner gate. Herod hath set it up. "'Tis an abomination in the eyes of the Jews. "'What care we for the golden eagle or for the Jews? "'Tis plunder we want. "'Hist! "'Once inside the gates, man, "'twill go hard with us if we could not secure "'some of the golden vessels with which the temple is crammed. "'Then there is the other.' "'Here they lowered their voices so that Titus lost what followed. "'Then one spoke a little louder. "'Tis there still?' "'Yes.' Pilate hath not yet dared to put his hands upon it, though the aqueduct must be finished, and he hath not the means to do it. Tis a goodly sum, a goodly sum, a great treasure, man, will make us all rich for life. Our plan is to get away with it in the confusion of the fight, and make for the sea. Once there, we can escape into Greece. After that, a long life and a merry one. "'Tis a plan worthy of our chief. "'Hath Jesus Barabbas any knowledge of it? "'Not he. "'He is a devout Jew, 
the son of a rabbi, and thinketh only to rid the temple of the golden eagle, which, in his notion, desecrateth it. He is a turbulent fellow, though, and hath an unsavory reputation with the authorities. All the more reason why he should have no share in our plunder. We be reasonably unknown in these parts, and can therefore hope to get away. Let them take him, and crucify him. Twill be the better for us. May Jove help us, said Gestus devoutly. I vow a golden chain at every shrine in Greece, if we be successful. I also, shouted another. Dumachus roused up at the shout, and rebuking them savagely for their folly, called for wine and food. As he ate and drank, he now and then cast a fierce look in the direction of Titus. The boy paled and clenched his hands tightly, for he guessed his thoughts, or fancied that he did. "'What shall we do with the lad here?' asked one of the men presently, observing these glances. "'Tis my mind,' began Dumicus, fixing his red eyes upon Titus with an evil smile. But Gaius, thoroughly understanding his chief, interrupted him hastily. "'Taste this wine, my Dumicus. Thou wilt find it good and sound. Hold thy cup. Let me fill it for thee. What thinkest thou of that?' Dumicus drained the cup slowly, then held it out to be replenished. "'Tis a goodly vintage. Where got we it?' "'From the Samaritan wine-merchant yesterday,' answered Gaius, filling the cup to the brim. "'We shall need every arm in our venture to-night,' he continued. "'There is none bolder in a fight than the lad Titus here, as thou knowest. Dost remember how he fought the giant Ethiopian single-handed last year when we so nearly escaped being taken?' "'Aye, and downed him, too. We shall have need of him. "'What sayest thou, lad? Wilt thou fight the Romans with us to-night?' "'That I will,' said Titus, trembling in his anxiety. "'Only give me that with which to fight.' Dumicus held out the cup to Gaius for the fourth time. "'I have a mind to leave him here,' he said slowly. "'And to so leave him that he will not again escape me, nor again foil me in my purposes.' "'Nay, my good chief,' said Gaius, laying a warning hand on Titus' shoulder. "'We can scarce leave him with safety.' I will take him under my charge to-night. Let the fellow dare try to escape me. And he glared at Titus with assumed ferocity. If we succeed in our venture, I care not what becomes of the boy, said Dumicus, who was beginning to be merry with the wine with which Gaius still continued to ply him. Let him find Prisca, the woman hath escaped me. She can tell him of his parents. If we win to-night... I shall be avenged of my wrong. Ha ha! But come, tis time we were away. We must enter the city by twos and threes to avoid suspicion. We will meet in the wine shop of Clopas in the upper market. There we shall find Barabbas, and there will the others come as soon as it waxeth dark. Fill all around and let us drink. What is left shall be poured out as a libation to Mars. May he and all the gods help us. Let them help us, I say. Tis a pious act to seize the treasure from the god of the Hebrews. Our own gods shall profit by it, said Gestus. Dumicus now rose to his feet. With a drunken solemnity poured out upon the ground what was left in the wineskin, calling out loudly upon all the heathen deities for assistance in their unholy enterprise. The wine-shop of Clopas 
in the upper marketplace sent out a broad glow of cheery yellow light into the darkness. As Titus, together with Gaius and other members of the band called Yaka, paused nearby to make sure of their bearings. Yonder is a place, said Yaka, well enough known to me. Many as a merry knight I have passed there in my youth. Then thou art Jerusalem born? asked Gaius. Jerusalem born and bred, replied the other. My father was a silversmith, and wrought sacred vessels for the temple use. It was in the shop of Clopas that I first met Dumachus. He was a handsome fellow in those days. Something befell him. I know not what. He fled to Galilee, carrying a woman and child with him. The child was a lad there. Once in my hearing, the woman called him David. Afterwards he was known to us as Titus. But I doubt not that David was his true name. Titus was listening with all his ears, but he said nothing, for he hoped that the man would speak further. Gaius had armed him with one of his own knives. He could have slipped away in the darkness easily enough, and was half-minded to do so. Then he reflected that he might learn something more of his mysterious birth and parentage if he stayed. Besides, he had a strong curiosity to see the much-talked-of Barabbas, and underneath it all was an unconfessed desire to share in the exciting events which were soon to follow. If I go now, he argued further with himself, I shall have to find my way back to Capernaum alone, and confess to Benoni that he was right and I was wrong. Moreover, the mule and the money are both gone, and how could I replace them? I will, at all events, wait for a few hours. Something may happen to my advantage. By this time they had entered the wine-shop, and the opportunity for escape had, for the moment, passed. Yonder is Barabbas. Even now speaking with Dumachus, whispered Gaius. Titus looked and saw a man of giant stature whose bold features and quick, brilliant eyes were in marked contrast to the bloated, brutal face of Dumachus. Titus felt instantly drawn to the man, and edging his way through the crowd managed to get near enough to hear what was being said. He will not dare to restore it once it is torn from its place, Brambus was saying with a low-toned but powerful voice. The symbol of Roman supremacy hath long enough insulted the house of our God. It shall be torn down, and broken into pieces so small that no one shall be able to put it together again. I myself will cast the fragments into the courtyard of the palace. I tell thee that Pilate is, at heart, a coward. He feareth us. Did he not yield to us at Caesarea? Did he not yield to us when, lately, he would have seized the sacred treasure of the temple for his own purposes? Thou speakest truly, shouted half a hundred voices. Let us go forth and tear the accursed image from its place. With a common impulse all rushed into the street. Titus, who had managed to keep near Barabbas, saw to his astonishment that the square was crowded with men, their fierce, determined-looking faces revealed by the light of the flaming torches brandished here and there over the heads of the throng. A low, hoarse murmur ran through the assemblage as they recognized their leader. Rabbis paused, and with a few short, decisive words, explained the plan and method of attack. Then, commanding that the torches should be extinguished, all set forward at a rapid pace toward the temple, under the cover of the darkness. 
They had advanced no great distance when the clang of shields reached them, and a loud voice was heard demanding the password. Death and confusion, muttered Gaius, who, with Titus, was pressing forward immediately behind Barabbas. Tis a Roman guard. Forward, men! Seize the Romans! There are but a handful of them, shouted Barabbas, and with a great cry the mob rushed on, and in a moment the noise of a fierce conflict was heard. The clashing of swords, the clangor of shields, savage yells together with the shrieks of the wounded, who were being trampled ruthlessly underfoot. Barabbas had pushed forward into the thick of the combat, where he fought like a madman. But, before many moments, it was apparent the mob was giving way. "'We've been betrayed,' said Dumachus in the ear of Gaius. "'Let us get away speedily. We can do nothing tonight. The Romans are thicker than bees.' And without waiting for the answer, he darted swiftly through the crowd. Almost instantly followed a great cry from the front. "'The Romans from the citadel are upon us. Barabbas is taken. Run for your lives!' The mob was now in the wildest confusion, each thinking only of his own safety. Titus was hurried along with the rest, and scarcely knowing what he did, darted down a narrow street in the darkness. Presently, finding himself unpursued, he paused for an instant to recover his breath, and listening intently, heard the frantic yells of the mob, and the sound of the pursuing soldiery growing momentarily more distant. His heart beat high with hope. I am safe now, he thought. I have only to keep out of sight till morning. Then I can easily find my way out of the city. I'll go back and confess the whole thing to Benoni. He shall believe me. The thought of the quiet Capernaum home was very sweet to him, as he stood there alone and unfriended in the thick darkness. But why was his tunic so warm and wet? And now he became conscious of a stinging pain in his head. I'm wounded, he thought and feeling cautiously in his thick curls he discovered a deep gash which seems to be bleeding freely. Strange, he muttered to himself, I do not remember that I was wounded in yonder fight. Presently he began to feel faint and light-headed. I must have help, he thought, and that quickly, or I shall perish in the street. Moving cautiously he advanced down the street, feeling his way along by the wall. The moon was rising now and by her dim, uncertain light he saw that he was about to emerge into an open square. On the further side of this place there was a light, as a fire burning and dark figures moving near it. Titus uttered a cry of joy and staggered forward, forgetting his danger and thinking only that help was at hand. The next moment he fell half-fainting to the ground, crying out feebly for help. "'What was that sound?' said one of a number of Roman soldiers who were gathered about the fire. I heard nothing, answered another. What was it like? "'Twas a cry. It sounded near. "'Tis the insurgents,' said the centurion. "'They are still pursuing them in the lower town. "'They have taken many prisoners. "'The ringleader Barabbas, among others. "'We shall have a pretty show for Passover week. "'What meanest thou?' "'Why, the crosses, to be sure. "'Tis the way Pilate taketh to keep down this turbulent people.' "'Tis a wholesome sight for the crowds that come to the city at feast-times, "'and doth more to keep order than an extra legion.' "'Yes, I heard the sound again,' said the other. 
and plunging a torch into the fire, he began a hasty search in the neighborhood. Here, comrade, he shouted, tis a wounded man. Lend me a hand with him. Between them, they brought the lad to the fire, and began to examine him roughly by its light. What dost thou make of him? asked one. He is a Jew by his features, one of the insurgents. We must not let him escape us, replied the centurion. Tear a strip from his tunic and bind up his head. He hath a nasty cut. And hand me yonder wine. I'll give him a sup. Verily, Marcus, thou art as handy as a woman, declared one of the others who stood by looking on. I am saving him for Passover week, said he who was called Marcus with a brutal laugh. To die with a cut in his head were too good for such a one. Titus had revived under the combined influences of the warmth, the wine, and the staunching of the cut. Canst thou stand? asked the centurion, seeing that he had opened his eyes. Titus replied by standing up, albeit somewhat unsteadily. Wert thou in yonder fight? I was, said Titus in a low voice, but... Take him to the prison, Cassius, and Brutus, was the prompt order, and before Titus could protest, he was marched away between the two soldiers, and shortly found himself thrust into a cold, damp dungeon. Here he sank into a pile of moldy straw, and despite his fears and the pain in his head, soon fell into a heavy slumber. End of chapter 20